fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. As if. You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Who can take a sunrise? There we go. There's the candy man. Sprinkle it with dew. Cover it in chocolate and a miracle or two. He'll murder you. <laughs> the candy man can. The candy man can. As he mixes it with love and makes the world taste bees. <laughs> wow. Uh, All right. We are the 30-something movie podcast. I am your host, John Reed. I have with me Patrick Canigallo. Pat, how's it going? Great, John. How are you? Excellent. I am excellent. Bo Warmbold, how are you? Yo. Yo. Yo how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing fine. We are here tonight to talk. Have you had any candy? Any candy? No, I don't have any <laughs> candy with me. I just had a large plate of avocado, but no, I don't have any candy. Ooh. Avocado is good. Yes, it was very good. But no, no, no candy with me this evening, but we'll have plenty of opportunity to talk candy. So candy, yes, candy. It, is, it is Candyman. This is the 1992 Candyman, not the 2021 Candyman. Although I did not get a chance to see that one, but I would be very curious to see it now because I, I read up a quick little description of it and there are some interesting differences between the original and this new one. So I will be curious to mm. track that down at some point. Mm. No, very quickly, we spoil... We talk freely around here. We don't really guard ourselves. So from this point on, just know that if you hear us drop a movie title, we may say something about it right after that. And this is really your only warning. So there you go. Visit our website, 30podcast.com. You can leave us a rating there. You can do that through any of your, wherever you get your podcast. There's always a way to leave some kind of a rating for each show. That is a great way, particularly Apple Podcasts. That is how a lot of people end up hearing about the show. So that is a great place for you to leave a rating or review. So we would love it if you would do that. If you're enjoying the show, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail. If you if we're talking about movies and you want to chime in and, and share your own thoughts on something, we would love to hear from you as well. We'll play it here on the show. We'll respond to it. So leave us a voicemail if you want to do that. And you can become a co-executive producer via Patreon. If you go to our website, 30podcast.com, there is a donate tab that's up there. Any level of support on Patreon gets you access to our bonus episodes. We've got about three bonus episodes per month that come out on there. Two mini episodes and one of our regular length, usually like hour and a half long episodes where we talk about a movie or whatever topic. But any level of support on Patreon will get you access to those. So that being our typical opening spiel here. I think we're about ready to dive on into Candyman. I got to be careful how many times I say that. Are we are we keeping true? Do we establish the rules yet? 
Well, rules? We, ta- we talked about this. We like, don't need no stinking rules. No stinking rules. I mean, what? What is there a is there a delay? Like if I say it three times today and then I say it two times tomorrow, or is it like a cumulative five times? Or I feel like there's got to be a reset clock. I'm just I don't know that I've tested it deeply enough to know when it is. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the rules need to be spelled out. But I, I again I, I invite us to. I invite the listener to check out our last couple of weeks. And I'm just, I'm just saying like we had some discussion around the gremlins rules. Yeah. Right. And, and all that. And I think that, you know, that kind of same discussion could be had with the candy man. What if you, what if you said, I would love, what if you said it four times? And then what if you said like, maybe like 20 minutes later, somebody comes to you and be like, Hey, would you like some Reese's? And you'd be like, I'd love some candy, man. Does that count yeah. too? Right. Or does it have to be like you're you're saying his name? I don't know what the rules are. What happens if you say what if you say the the image of the candy manifested itself in my head? Oh. Like does that count? You know what I'm saying? Like I I think you know It depends on the devil's... De- it depends on how you're going to define ifested. Right. Right. I try to not, I try to remain not infested as much as possible. Right. Right. Yeah. A lot Kern, of, a lot Kern of discussion points. Kern is in this episode. Oh, that was so exciting. I, I figured. Commander like Kern. Commander Kern was in there and he didn't even remember being in this movie. I, I do not remember the audition, but it must have gone well. That's right. Here, hold, your, I, hold, hold on, if you need to do that, then... There you go. There it is. Do what you gotta do. I do not remember the audition, but it must have gone well. I brought glory to someone that day. I received discommendation by having my hand removed by the Klingon High Council. But now it is replaced by a hook... And it is a warrior's hook. Kapla. <laughs> Songs will be written of the blood spelt today in battle. I, I will a not mirror. speak. I will not speak of the blonde-headed Patak who confronted me in Cabrini Green. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I'm just saying if, like, there's got to be a Dennis fan just, edit. Dennis just somewhere. signed in and he has no clue what we're doing. Yeah, if there's yeah. there's got to be a fan, hey Dennis. I see there's got to be drinking going on. Wait, well, no if you drinking, listen, just Mildur Nivir Nivir hangovers. I'm still on Mignon Mignon Nivir. I I man, did you listen to these guys do the their a couple weeks back do the recording for Invisible Man? I heard part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> a good time was had by we're, all. We're still, no, we're still coming down on that high. I'm just saying, I think if there's a fan edit somewhere where the Candyman goes after people with a bat laugh, I might root for him at that point. I'm just saying that would be pretty cool. That's true. That's true. Oh, man. All you have to do is say Sons of Moog five times, (laughs) and I will appear behind you in the reflection of your bat laugh. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so now how much 
How much greatest gen ripoff are we doing tonight, guys? Okay, let's Pretty okay, let's thing, yeah. okay, let's just give props to the greatest gen. I mean, yeah. that was totally <sighs> stolen, but I I'll be the Absolutely. first just to say give credit to them. Okay. Go if you're even the slightest bit a Star Trek fan, go check out the greatest generation podcast. Yes. They're awesome. And uh, it was stolen lovingly. Oh, yeah, indeed. It, I this wanted to know how far to go. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we're we're a tribute band to them. I mean, this I think in some ways we could be a tribute podcast to those guys. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I don't remember much about the fair use doctrine of copyright <laughs> law. But I will keep doing this because I have the background music available. <laughs> Anyway, there we go. Oh, man. That's probably enough of that. Yeah, Commander Kern is in this episode, so that was fun. I love or, 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 or for the deep cut people, old Jake, old Jake Sisko. Yeah. Old, old Jake, Jake Sisko. For some reason. For some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Dennis, I know that I know that your brother was uh, uh, big into Star Trek, and I know you've watched some Star Trek and all that. I'm, I just kind of got super excited when it's Tony Todd, right? Well, I, like I said, I only know him as Commander Kern. Yeah. He ended up being Command. He ended up being. <laughs> I almost said Commando Cand Candyman, but he was so that we just. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, they do a bit on the Greatest Gen podcast about Tony Todd and the way he delivers his lines and all that kind of thing. So we. That's. I'm sorry, you just kind of wandered in the middle of the yeah. inside joke, but oh man, it was one of those things. If I just would have signed right back off, would you guys have been part of Probably not. It would. It would have been like guys. I think. There was a fourth. fourth I think we scared Dennis. <laughs> uh, we've, been doing this, we've, we've been doing this for what seven years. And we finally found a way to scare Dennis. There you go. <laughs> Get him well, back! Get him back! Get him back! I don't was scared, but disturbed me. Fair enough. This episode, we'll be talking about the movie K Andy Man. It's K apostrophe A N D Y M A N. That is how it's spelled in the original Klingon. Okay. All right, that's it. I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> Who can ruin Dennis's day? <laughs> Who can make him throw up? <laughs> Who can make him angry? The ducky boobs can. Yeah, there ducky you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to do greatest generation Klingon jokes and our own renditions of the Candyman song from Willy Wonka? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all this episode will end up being. It, it, it'll be entertaining if nothing else. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, is this the in between or is this the actual episode? No, the the actual oh episode. no, this is live, buddy. Oh, we're, yeah, we're ready for prime time here. We've so. done the intro. Like the the intro. We're, we're into it, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we've done the intro. We've said hello, but I don't think John's done the cast. You know, off the rail. No, we have. We haven't done that part yet. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we went off the rails early. The train left saying. the station and just went right off and, the rails. And, <laughs> and, and Pat's cleaning. Pat's cleaning his basement. I think he. Pat crawled through the medicine cabinet, and he's on the other side. Well, it's I flooded, know. so he's got to clean it, tidy it up. You know. Yeah. <laughs> There's should, a flood in the basement. You, Pat, you should tidy your basement. I should you know, tidy my basement. Seriously? No, no. Oh. Luckily, I'm okay, but. Anything can happen. On a hot day, if you just put some talcum powder down there, it should it should be fine. <laughs> I 
I actually have a story about floods in the basement, but we'll save that for another time. Oh, that's... <laughs> Welcome to the 30 Podcast After Dark. <laughs> All right. Well, this is where John starts deciding how much can we say before we're going to get an explicit rating. How much work am I going to? I'm sorry. How much work is Descript going to have to do to edit this episode later on? Right. Search what query. What did his basement really mean? <laughs> Search query basement. So we're talking Candyman this time Search around. Search query Pat. Uh huh. <clears throat> this movie came out on the 16th make, yeah. of October, 1992, rated R, with a runtime of one hour and 39 minutes. Directed by Bernard Rose, who did Paper House and Ivan's XTC. Clive Barker was one of the writers. Bernard Rose was also one of the writers. Barker did Hellraiser and The Midnight Meat Train, which I think was one of my nicknames in high school. Rose also... <laughs> And when, when the football team went late night to Old Country Buffet, we could destroy that place. <clears throat> I have um, no doubt. Oh, yeah. We got asked to leave several times. And then Rose also wrote Immortal Beloved and The Devil's Violinist. Producers for this one were Steve Golan, Alan Poole, and mm, I'm going to make an attempt at this one. Gurjan Sigvatsen. God bless you. Who, oddly enough, I believe invented Minol Benir Benir Benir. Mm-hmm which saved me when I had COVID, so thank you. Music was done by Philip Glass, cinematography Anthony B. Richmond, and editor was Dan Ray. Flick Metrics gives this one a 67%. Cinema score gives it a C+. So that is one of the rare, like, cinema scores tend to be in the A and B range. You don't tend to see a lot of Cs in cinema score, so that's kind of a rare C for that. Starring Virginia Madsen, who was Helen Lyle. She was in Dune, The Prophecy, and Sideways. Tony Todd played the Candyman. He was in The Rock, The Crow, and Star Trek The Next Generation. Xander Berkeley was Trevor uh, Trevor Lyle. He was in Terminator 2, Air Force 1, and Barbed Wire. Casey Lemons played Bernadette Walsh. She was in Silence of the Lambs and Vampire's Kiss. Let's see. Vanessa Williams played Anne-Marie McCoy. She was in Soul Food and New Jack City. The Dewan Guy played Jake. He was in Little Giants and Baywatch. Mariana Elliott played Clara. She was in Chicago Hope and Lessons for an Assassin. Ted Raimi was this one. He played Billy. Well, he was in this one for like two seconds. He played Billy. He was in Twin Peaks and Ash versus Evil Dead. Rhea Pavia played Monica. She was in Twister and Freeway. Caroline Lowry played Stacy. She was in Quantum Leap and Friends. And Gilbert Lewis, who died in 2015, played Detective Frank Valento. He was in Don Juan DeMarco and Pee Wee's Playhouse. Skeptical grad student Helen Lyle befriends Anne-Marie McCoy while researching superstitions in a housing project on Chicago's near north side. From Anne-Marie, Helen learns about the Candyman, a knife-wielding figure of urban legend. Well, he's not a knife-wielding. That's Okay, that part of the description is wrong. A hook-wielding figure, let's put it that way, of urban legend that some of her neighbors believe to be responsible for a recent murder. After a mysterious man matching the Candyman's description begins stalking her, Helen comes to fear that the legend may be all too real. Here is the trailer, and we'll be back in just a moment. Candyman? If you look in the mirror, and you say his name five times. In cities everywhere. Candyman? They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman? Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. 
the legend first appeared in 1819. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman. Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it. Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone. Except Helen Lyle. Where did I... It ain't safe around here. I don't scare too easy. Wanna know about Ruthie Jean? They ain't never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. Who is that? I came for you. Do I know you? Now she is about to discover. Helen? Mystery. I'm sick. What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! And most terrifying of all, come with me. What's behind the mirror? He's here. Candyman, you don't have to believe. Just beware. All right, so some quick little trivia stuff here for this one is the bees that were used for this movie were bred specifically for this film. They need to make sure that the bees were only about 12 hours old so that they looked like mature bees, but their stinger wouldn't be as powerful enough to do any real damage. However, Tony Todd did say that over the course of making the, I think there's three Candyman movies, he was stung about 26 times total and it sounds like he had a really good agent and lawyer because he negotiated his contract where he got paid for every sting wasn't it like a thousand dollars per sting yep yeah so so that was impressive not too bad i mean i i don't know that i would be in a movie where i had to put a bunch of bees in my mouth anyway but exactly if you're going to then why not get paid extra Right. Exterior hallway and stairway scenes were actually filmed for a few days in the infamous Cabrini Green housing projects, though the producers had to make a deal with the ruling gang members to put them in the movie as extras to ensure that the cast and crews remained safe during filming. Even with this arrangement, a sniper put a bullet through the production van on the last day of filming. Nobody was actually injured, though. So, fun times. While investigating one of Candyman's crime scenes, Helen and Bernadette discovered that the design of the apartment's medicine cabinet made it a possible point of entry for an intruder. This was not a made-up piece of horror movie fiction. While researching the film, Bernard Rose learned that a series of murders had been committed in Chicago in this very way. Sweets to the Sweet, which is written at the crime scene, is actually a line from William Shakespeare's Hamlet. It's a line that, I believe it's Hamlet's mother says as she is bringing flowers to the grave of Ophelia. I believe the suite is the the funeral flowers that she's bringing is what she's referring to. I believe you are correct, sir. And then the Candyman, the figure that plays the equivalent of the Candyman in Clive Barker's original story, had been described as an imposing, possibly white man. He is described as having a rather unnatural shade of yellow that, of course, adds to his candy theme, and he has an unruly red beard. So a slightly different looking guy. And I believe the original story takes place in Liverpool. Yes. Not in Chicago. 
All right. Into the major moments of this one. We start the movie off. Helen, we Helen Lyle, we see is doing her research and learning about some different urban legends and learns the story of the Candyman. So we get kind of this possible flashback to this time when this girl was babysitting, had her boyfriend come over. They did the whole thing of saying the name five times in the mirror, and then she ends up dying a pretty gruesome death at that point. Pretty quickly, once we get into the whole idea of her being, Helen being a researcher and working with Bernadette and and working on the story, the next kind of major moment of this is they find that several of these, the origin of these stories is coming from the Cabrini Green projects in Chicago. Now, I don't, do you guys know, you guys obviously have lived in Chicago way longer than I have. What do you know about the history of Cabrini Green? Not all that much, really. I just know that it was built as a housing project and torn down relatively recently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, my dad worked at I my my dad worked at IIT, so I was always driving by kind of that area because the Robert Taylor homes were right across from Illinois Institute of Technology. Mm-hmm. And then Cabrini Green wasn't too far from there. So there were times where I actually, actually lifeguards, so I would go past there a lot. And I actually thought of this movie a lot when I went by there, which is interesting because at the time, you know, you know, it was, oh, this is filmed it's partly at Cabrini Green and this is where Candyman took place. And yeah, I just, he, unfortunately, you saw, I think it was obviously built for low cost housing and then it just kind of got worse and worse and the gangs took over and then it was just a not, not the greatest place to, to be walking around at night because of the gang activity and things like that, you know. But we knew kids from from there and from the Robert Taylor homes who my dad actually, we would, they would get to swim at the pool and stuff. And, you know, it's just an unfortunate situation because the gangs really kind of obviously took over that area. So it was kind of like an avoided area. That's all I know of. And like, like Bo said recently, it was torn down and got a, people got hopefully a kind of a fresh, somewhat of a fresh start I, somewhere else. I want to say that, I want to say that the Cabrini green area, didn't they put some, I might be off, but I know that there was one of the projects in Chicago when it got torn down, they put some pretty like relatively high end condos and up in its place. And that was kind of might go without outside the construct construct of, of the podcast. But then that, that became the question of, okay, where did everybody that was there go? And I mean, you know, that becomes a, a bigger discussion point, but I know that I, my understanding is that now the Cabrini green area is now, you know, I should say expensive like condos and you know, that, that area is, is, is different than it was with the Cabrini, with the Cabrini green housing projects. So in doing some quick research on this one, what I found was, I believe the planning and kind of the initial construction for Cabrini green started in the 1940s. Maybe what I what I read up on was that that neighborhood, kind of that area already was known for being a kind of a high crime area that it was neighborhood with a lot of uh, a lot of immigrants from different places that there was possibly some mafia activity in that area. But that when they started putting up the the affordable the affordable housing that was going to be there. And I believe they completed it in the 60s is what I read that a lot of. A lot of the people that ended up kind of getting pushed to the Cabrini-Green area was it ended up being nearly 100% black families that live there. And that it had kind of a, it had kind of a weird mixture of, yes, it was kind of notorious as being one of the highest crime 
areas in Chicago, but at the same time, people that lived there in a lot of the things that I read was they always kind of reported that like, but it was also like close knit families. Like we helped each other out. We, we took care of each other. We did what we needed to do. Yes. We are, our buildings and our, our homes were infested with gang members and things like that. But at the same time, you know, the families there, the people that are there, the individuals that are there, like we stuck together and we tried to, we tried to build a community there despite the violence, despite all the stuff that we didn't necessarily have any control over. And so it, it existed that way. And there were a couple of different, a couple of different things that I read at one point in time was it Jane Byrne was one of the mayors of Chicago and she even moved into Cabrini Green for about three weeks. And then that was about enough. And then they moved out. Just as kind of, I think it was kind of a way of saying like, hey, look, I, this is Cabrini Green. The idea was supposed to be that we could have affordable housing close to the best parts of Chicago. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to move in here too. I'm going to show you that it can be done. And I think it was like after three weeks or so, she moved out, was, was not able to stay any longer than that. And then I believe it was around 2010, 2011 was when the last, I think there's a couple of buildings that are still standing, but the last of the buildings that were demolished were done in like 2010 or 2011. And you're right, it was replaced with non-affordable housing. And I think some fancy restaurants and businesses and things like that. So mm-hmm. the... And Pat, for your question of where do the residents go from, you know, what I gathered from some sources and information was basically that, and this is what I kind of remember anyway. Yeah, they got subsidized housing. They got kind of relocated, had options. As long as they were in like good standing with their bills and weren't problems, whatever, typically they subsidized housing in different southern suburbs like Harvey, West Side. So they got kind of moved out into different suburbs and areas, some even as far as Rockville, I believe. And there was a number of older residents who qualified for like senior citizen housing. So they moved to facilities there. One of the issues is that somebody had said, and this is, I, I can't confirm this, but some of the issues too was that this also had many gang members who were there who by process of relocation got moved into other rival gang territories, which then mm-hmm. creates a lot of the issues that you're also seeing now because now you have rival gang members in other suburbs that were operated by other gangs now you got your kind of turf struggle. So I don't know about that last statement, how much that's true, but it, it could definitely make sense. But but relocation yeah. suburbs, that's what I remember from when this back happened. Because I had wondered that too, like where if they're demolishing, where are they going? And like you said, they, they did a mix of kind of mid and some affordable, some high rise, like John was saying. So obviously you hopefully had this more diverse kind of, environment and i think again if there if there was no trouble or in people's bills are paid they got to stay kind of in those nicer ones because subsidized i think it's like what 75 or 85 80 percent of the rent is paid by government i think so yeah something like that yeah Yeah. well i i know you know yeah like that obviously gets into a deeper discussion than the movie Candyman, but yeah that's one of the struggles and i i know that the the uh, the buildings that they have up in the place are are definitely on the higher end. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, and I remember around about the time that because I don't remember exactly when they were closing the whole thing down and and moving people out, but I do recall that when I was at University of Illinois for college, which is for those that are not familiar with Illinois, it's about uh, let's say about two hours south of Chicago down in Champaign mm-hmm. and Urbana. I remember that we had we had kind of an influx 
of African-American folks coming into Champaign-Urbana a lot, I remember hearing, because Chicago was either not affordable anymore. So I, I don't know if they were coming from Cabrini Green, if they were leaving the affordable housing there. But I know there were a lot of people that were coming in because I know I at different times I'd working for the newspaper at University of Illinois, I would interview folks for different stories. And we did some different stories on affordable housing in Champaign and some of actually some of the homeless folks in Champaign that had come down from Chicago and couldn't find even affordable housing in Champaign. So they ended up on the streets. I don't recall if any of those folks were actually from Cabrini Green, but I know that there was a stretch of time where you had a lot of people coming in from Chicago and traveling as far down as Champaign to try to find another mm-hmm. major city that they could live and work in, but try to find housing in. Well, that makes sense. Just, they went two hours out to Rockford and it was two hours south. So yeah, yeah. Down, but, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Some of the other kind of major events of this one. So they, they go to Cabrini Green and, and it kind of, we, we end up tying in the Candyman origin story to the community of Cabrini Green tied to a possible murder that had occurred there. And this is actually based off of a real life murder that happened in the Cabrini Green neighborhood that it was in 1987. And the woman's name, it was Ruthie Mae McCoy, who was killed. And this is, this is where it kind of follows the, the story in the movie, is that because these buildings were put together, that's kind of the part of the sad story of the whole Cabrini Green piece was, I remember you would hear stories in the news about how nothing was really ever taken care of. Nothing was repaired. You know, basic services were not fulfilled you'd always hear stories about how people would complain that the garbage chutes were full up to like the seventh or eighth floor because nobody was taking the garbage away but even the construction of the buildings was done so cheaply that you had in the bathrooms when you had one bathroom in one apartment would back up to a bathroom in the other apartment and where they would share the wall was the medicine cabinet and so they actually, just as you see in the Candyman movie, you could push through somebody's medicine cabinet and you'd have a hole into the next apartment over. And so there was this 1987 murder of this woman who lived in Chicago. She had made some phone calls because intruders were coming through her bathroom mirror. And when they, when they finally went to go investigate, they found that she was dead and there was no forced entry through the front door or anything like that, the people had come through her medicine cabinet and killed her. And sometimes you see, you'll see these videos on like TikTok or YouTube where people will open up a medicine cabinet and there's like some secret apartment on the other side, or there's like some creepy stuff on the other side of the medicine cabinet. So still kind of perpetuating that urban legend a little bit, but it kind of sounds like the way these buildings were put together, it was not so much an urban legend in that case, that it was actually, you, you could get into somebody else's apartment through the medicine cabinet. Mm-hmm. which creepy. is just creepy it's a little creepy a little creepy i haven't gone into our bathroom and gone to the medicine cabinet since then but I, i'm the nice thing is on the other side of our medicine cabinet is our bedroom so I, i'm not gonna like creep anybody out by crawling through the well if i crawl through the medicine cabinet i guess that would creep people out that's, yeah that's amazing john because on the other side of my medicine cabinet is your bedroom as well really I, yeah i that, ex- that explains that explains a few things. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know. Did John want his basement yes. flooded? Hold, hold on, Pat. I've got just the right thing for that. That's, That's extraordinary. What would you like to do next? There you go. 
So yeah, so we get this is even though this is an urban legend, it is based off of a true story of uh, something that happened in Chicago. We get Candyman's origin story, which kind of coincides with some of the other racial themes that we're getting in this movie. We get the under we have the understanding that he was the he was a freedman who was the son of a slave. He it sounds like he himself may have had his own money and and may have been semi-well off, but that he fell in love with a plantation owner's white daughter. And when the plantation owner found out, they cut off his hand, they covered him in honey and had bees sting him to death. And so that's his, that's kind of his backstory into why he is this cursed figure that remains and comes back from time to time. He's a little bit, I, I wrote in some of my notes here, he's a little bit mummy, he's a little bit Phantom of the Opera, so you've got a little bit of a mixture of some of these other movie monsters that we've seen in the past, but that's kind of his origin story. Next major moment in the movie is baby Anthony is kidnapped. This is that single mother that we meet, played by Vanessa Williams, and her baby is kidnapped. The dog is decapitated in that one scene, pretty gruesome scene, and that is the, the baby being kidnapped. It's Helen is blamed for it, though we know that it is Candyman, or we think it is Candyman, but Helen is blamed for it because she had a moment where she was confronted by the Candyman, in the parking garage and then she kind of blacked out and woke up covered in blood in the apartment in Cabrini Green. The baby is gone, the dog's head is gone, and things spiral pretty quickly downhill from there because then later on after she is after she's released and she goes back home, she actually has uh, her friend Bernadette comes to her apartment and then Candyman shows up there and ends up gutting Bernadette in the apartment and then obviously she's blamed for that murder as well. As we get to the end of the movie, we have her trying to, she ends up trying to escape from the hospital, which she does after her psychiatrist also gets gutted by Candyman. And she is able to, she gets back to her apartment and kind of confronts her husband or soon to be ex-husband and his mistress. And she ends up making her way back to Cabrini Green because she knows that she's got to save this baby. She's got to do something to end this kind of once and for all. We get the scenes of her kind of crawling back into the derelict apartments where you see this kind of cathedral type image that's been set up for the... It seems like it's supposed to have been set up by the residents of Cabrini Green as a way of... I don't know if they're trying to hold back the Candyman or, or what it is that they're doing, why this is all set up for him or if he set it up himself. But you have kind of these, these religious imagery with the images on the wall and everything else. And, and the end of the movie is we have the bonfire that has been set. Helen actually ends up saving the baby from that bonfire, saving Anthony, ends up killing Candyman in the process. She pulls a bit of an Anakin Skywalker and goes, you know, gets most of her skin burned off as she saves the baby, and then ultimately she ends up dying. And then at the end of the movie, we see that her husband was somehow foolish enough to stand in front of a mirror, say his wife's name five times, and she shows up, and that's pretty much all for him at that point. <laughs> that's all she wrote. He's, uh, he's, he's when, she shows up at the, when she shows up at the end, she kind of has a, she has a nice look. She's got a little bit of an alienation look going on. Yeah, a little bit. It's like just yeah. slick back hair, right? Or was she bald? I couldn't tell. No, I thought it was all burned off. Oh, was it all burned off? Yeah, I think it was all burned off. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. But, I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, that's fine. Yeah, if you're into the whole, yeah. you know. Like your, you like your ladies just a little crispy? There it is, man. There it is. Okay, all right. 
All right, what was that song? I like my I like my women just a little bit on the trashy side. Mm-hmm. Was that, mm-hmm. country, that country song? I like my women just a little on the crispy side. Yep. There we go. Okay. That's yes. <laughs> yes. She sleeps above the covers. Four <laughs> feet above the covers. <laughs> yep. All right. Did I hit all the major moments? Are there any? Uh, we'll get into our, our deep thoughts here in just a moment. But did I did I miss any major moments of the movie? Any any other scenes of the movie that we want to showcase real quick before we get into our opinions? Hmm. I love the image of when she's crawling through that one kind of hole in the wall that it comes through, and it's like his open mouth. Yeah, the big painting on the wall. That one was pretty cool. I like that. And you talk, we've talked about the bees a little bit, and I'm sure we'll talk more about them. The, the the scene in the in the restroom outside, like yeah. that public bathroom type thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of visuals that stand out in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The music, the, the was, bonfire, the music was good and creepy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Glass did did a good job. Yeah, <laughs> Philip Philip Glass has pretty unique music, which, again, this trailer used some like completely different music, yeah. so it really kind of created a little bit of a the different vibe. He wasn't a big fan of the movie, though, as I recall. Or he, when no, he, he was not. Did the soundtrack? He was like, mm, this isn't. Yeah, it's a weird match. Yeah, I would almost when, when I realized he did the soundtrack, I didn't think. It's a weird, it's a weird pick, in a way. Yeah. And in a way, he does a good job, like you said, but it's like not something he would typically do. But yeah, yeah. I was trying to find. Let's see. I was, instead of the Willy Wonka music, I was actually going to try to find some of the actual music from the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not. You know what? It's not actually super easy to find some of the Candyman stuff. It's a little, a little tougher. Let me see if I got. There might be one here. Let me see. necessarily like creepy in and of itself but when you pair it with the visuals of the movie well and this might get into the deep thoughts thing but i think this this sound that this soundtrack matched kind of for me where i thought the movie was very strong Mm -hmm. but i think there were some parts of the movie that i thought for me could have come been fleshed out a little bit more or explained or accentuated a little bit more that would have made it really fire on all cylinders, right? Like, yeah. like the this doesn't sound like the soundtrack to a slasher movie, right? I, I'm not like, and honestly, I defer to Dennis because you know much more about the whole horror deal than I do. But this soundtrack added to a, a little bit to the creepy. I'm not sure. Is this really about horror or is this a, a psychological thriller? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, is Candyman real or is it just a gang that's kind of playing off the, is this like a Jacob's Ladder type situation where that's it's, you know, this person's going crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that, that's the, where, where I think the movie keeps you guessing and the Philip Glass music really fits. 
Which, and you, you have to keep guessing at that because I feel like, and I, I, I meant to write this down and I didn't, I feel like you don't even see the real Candyman until... 44 minutes or like something. 45, yeah. yeah, like 44, 45 minutes into the movie. So yeah, for the first mm-hmm. 45 minutes of the movie, you're guessing, all right, is this real? This is an urban legend. This is, she's investigating this, but it's not real. Like, that's not really good. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's full on, like, you're in like full on Freddy Krueger territory where he's, right. you know... He's four feet above the sheets and appearing at different times. And he's got the like real creepy echoey voice. That's like a disembodied voice that even though he's standing there, the voice you can kind of hear everywhere. So yeah, he's, he's kind of join me on the path to Calhia. Yeah, there you go. What's the first scene where you actually see him? Is it the one in the, I think it's in the parking garage. Parking garage. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that was one of the, yeah, that was one of the ones that came to mind too for me. It was just like that. Parking garage feeling like where you're in a garage by yourself at, t- at times, or it's it's another creepy place. So yeah. it's a kind of a good introduction in a way. And then there's the flashbacks, and then she wakes up. I remember that part from it. Yeah, but yeah, and it's got the echoey voice. I think it's uh, "Be My Victim." Yeah, yeah, and he's just yeah. And then the hook appears, and then you get the flash like kind of pops of the bees, and yeah, yeah. All right, let's get into our deeper thoughts. And now, Deep Thoughts. All right. So, deeper thoughts on this one. First question, let's just come right out with it. Did you like this movie? Mm -hmm. Eh. I don't know. I... The Candyman stuff was a little over the top for my tastes, so I found myself laughing in places where I don't think they were trying to be funny. Okay. So I don't know if I could say I liked it. It was interesting. I expected and wanted more out of this movie. Yeah, Um, I guess maybe it's sort of been built up over the years as like a thing, and... And the fact that there were multiple, you know, sequels or whatever you want to call it, multiple films of it, and yeah. even a 2021 version that yeah. uh, Hunter had come in and said, I haven't seen the 2021 version. Hunter had said he'd seen it. Yeah, I would like to see it knowing that Jordan Peele did that one or worked on that one. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if it was any good or not. but So, yeah, so this one, I was about 21 years old, I think, when this came out, 92 and, uh, and at the time, I remember we kind of liked it. I mean, it was an entertaining. I, it wasn't like, oh, we got to see it five more times. But I'm, like you said, the concept, the idea, I think now it doesn't hold up as well. I know that's one of our big questions of do things hold up as well. And I think now, not not as much. Again, I feel like based on what I remember, I exp- you guys had, you had not seen it in back then, had you? Okay, no. so you saying the comment about you had expected more is how I feel about it now, and I saw it back in 92, so that's kind of weird. Yeah. You know, like I had seen it, and I think my memory of it, I expected more of it to be a better film than it was. So was it horrible? No, it just wasn't as good as I remember it kind of being yeah. back then. And I bet if I had seen it a little bit younger or seen it closer to when it came out, because it, it – 
it fits pretty well with a bunch of other 90s horror movies. Yeah. You know, it, it fits well. With, it's got the same kind of general beats as a lot of other horror movies from like late 80s, early yep. to mid 90s. Like Nightmare on Elm Street, all yeah. those. Like so, I mean, it, it fits with all that stuff. I think mm-hmm. watching it now, maybe, is where, where it falls a little short for me is growing up, you know, I, I did not see it as a kid. You know, this was the. This last week was actually the first time I'd, I'd ever seen it. So I did not see it as a kid, but I remember buying comic books as a kid. This was always the ad on the back page of the comics. Like the back cover was always an ad for Candyman in the early 90s. And that's when I started buying comic books. So I was seeing a lot of the ads for it. I remember seeing ads on TV for it. I remember other kids talking about it because their older brother had gone to see it or somebody took them to go see it, even though they were only in middle school. And, and, and people would then spread the whole Candyman story. From that point, it was yeah. I heard somebody over in the in like the our the next town over. My cousin lives there, and they did the thing where they looked in the mirror and they said the Candyman thing, and they did it, and they died, and they did it. so people would start spreading the whole story about it. Well, watching it now, and I appreciate that part of it, like the whole part of it being tied to an actual urban legend and things like that. But the part now where I look at it, and I that's why I want to see the 2021 version, and knowing that Jordan Peele, I don't think he directed it, but he's involved in it knowing what he has done with some of his other movies and how it kind of addresses some of the like racial themes or tensions or things like that. That's what I think I missed from this movie that I'm watching and I'm going, okay, you have decided to set this in Cabrini green in Chicago. You have decided to have the backstory be related to somebody who was the son of a slave, you know, killed by a white plantation owner for falling in love with a white woman. You know, there's so much of that, that the racial foundation of this movie that I just didn't feel like it, it used any of that. Like you, you deposited a lot into the bank and then you never took any of it out. Like, yes, you went back to Cabrini Green a few times, and yes, you you had some of the characters talk about how they couldn't trust the police and things like that, but I feel like you could have used that so much more. Because when I really think about it, one of my other questions for us is going to be, what is this movie about? Like, other than just wanting to scare us with an urban legend, I don't know that I can tell you what this movie is necessarily about. You know, it's, it's it's a slasher film. But I think what I would hope is that there was maybe some kind of a, a deeper message to it or something else that just is not quite there. And I don't know if that's me in 2022 watching it and saying, yeah, I, I think that should have been there. Or would that be too much to ask? Because you've got a movie like when we did the, the People Under the Stairs, when we talked about that one, that still had kind of a message of the the haves versus the have-nots and the wealthy keeping down the poor and kind of that whole social structure. And that's within this same time period. So it's not to say, I don't want to say, oh yeah, it's early nineties. So they're not going to address that kind of stuff because they just didn't do that back then. Well, they did. So maybe that's where I see it falling short of what I hoped it would have been. That's my long winded way of saying, Bo, I'm with you. I'm kind of meh. As an eighties, nineties horror movie, it's not as good as the Freddy Krueger stuff. It's not as good as like Friday the 13th. It's not as good as those. I like those much better. It's not a Hellraiser. It's not something like that. So I, it doesn't hit for me there. And then when I think, ooh, there's so much more that this could have done as like a social commentary or something like that on the on the back end of 
being a slasher film, it doesn't do that either. So that's where I'm like, yeah, it was entertaining. It was set in Chicago. That's kind of fun to see. But otherwise, meh. Oh, so if you were to put a grade on this, CCDF, would this be a C? I give it a C, yeah. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. Yeah. Maybe a C minus. I think I think back then I would have said probably a B or a B plus, and yeah. I think now it's like a C minus. You know, as a kid, I wouldn't have thought as much about that, but I think having seen some, having especially Jordan Peele's movies, having seen some kind of horror movies that can do a good job of building in that discussion of race or discussion of like a social commentary or something like that and build it in a way that it's not super preachy, but it's done well. Like having seen that, I'm like, okay, other people can do that too. Like he doesn't have the monopoly on, on being a director that's able to do that. Well, other people can do that. And I just feel like this movie, I don't, I can't even tell if this movie tried to do that or not. I just don't see enough of it. And it's such a perfect, it's a perfect part of the story. And it's so much of the underpinnings of the story that I'm like, where was it? Like, I, I missed that. I feel like if, if you're going to, if you're going to use that location and if it's going to be, if the whole idea of him being a black man, if Candyman is a black man and there's that whole backstory, use it. Right. It's, it's great currency. Use it. Oh, I'm spot on. I mean, with the, with the grade and, yeah, I think you're right. Like, yeah. And I think maybe the piece of the timing back then, maybe it wasn't as the environment wasn't as conducive to maybe getting too much into the race thing. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes. So it was enough there to be there, but not enough to really kind of try to take a swing for the fences with it. But they tiptoed and they had the aired on the side of caution and not being too much. And, and therefore, and that would be my guess. Yeah. So we've Let's kind see. of t- we've talked a little bit about like what does not seem to work with this movie. What does work for this movie? What are some of the parts that you like about this movie? What does it do well? Candyman's voice. Yeah. The soundtrack's good. Yeah, the music is good. Overall, good. It's just more of a story. Some holes and not holes in the story, but more. Some pieces missing there, but everything else, I think that's why it gets. It doesn't get a D or an F. It gets a C. It's like you want. You're kind of rooting for it to be more, which means there's enough there, enough promise. So I think the idea. I think playing with an urban legend is good. I think I who didn't after watching this movie in 1992. I remember because I saw it back then that there were a lot of people who would take that dare. Would you say it five times? And a lot of people would not do it. So it scared you enough to not say it five times. Or a lot of people would chicken out if you told them to go in the bathroom. And say Candyman five times, people wouldn't do it. You know, there was people who said they would. There were bets laid down. Some people would do it here or there, and but but for the most part, most people wouldn't dare push their luck and even say it. So it had an effect on the culture at the time. You know, I mean, it, it popular enough for like I said, follow up movies. So enough people saw it and had enough of a effect on the culture that you think an urban legend would. So it, it succeeded in that idea that it had a nice little angle to it but okay so this is not one of the three questions but would you i'm asking each one of you would you stand in front of the mirror and say Candyman five times sure okay right bo, now bo would do it yeah would you do it right now bo yeah all right go to a mirror <laughs> let's see it 
I'm not taking this to a mirror. That's not happening. <laughs> uh, would you, John? No. <laughs> no, not at all. And I don't even believe in that stuff, but no. Yeah, Probably not. I don't do dares, though. I, I like, I'm ingrained that if someone tells me to go left, I just go right. <laughs> just like, it just, that kicks. Sin. No. Well, yeah, that's the, it's the Pat rejects your question angle. Yeah, it, I mean. it'd be like, and then it, then I'd be like, then you we might dare, say, okay, then you might you say, not do it, Pat. you dare me to not do it? Okay, see, so you're trying to reverse psychology. Oh, so Pat, what you're saying is you're chicken and you just don't want to admit it. Okay, if 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 you say that, that's fine. Like, I just, I just would, maybe I will. Maybe I'm, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll fight uh, him and maybe I won't. Yeah, you know, quote quote the departed. That's not going to Marty McFly this. Yeah, quote the departed. Maybe yes, maybe no, maybe go yourself. You know, I mean, it's but no, that's just my gut reaction. So would I? I don't know because as soon as you ask, then I'm just not going to do it because you're, you know, I just dig the heels in. I mean, that's just kind of the mentality. But I remember when all that urban legend stuff, and that was the thing, like the big dare, different than you know, mirror that I forget what it was. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, yeah. Bloody Mary, Candyman. But then there was one that like was going around that people would say, you sit in your driveway at midnight and count to a hundred or something all by yourself. No. Could you, or something like that. And... <laughs> nope. It's not like, no. Um, I, I tell you, I hear what you guys are saying. Even if it's not real, I have an overactive imagination. So even if it's not real, I'm going to scare the crap out of myself just by virtue of participating in any of that. Even if I know 100%, 101% that it's not real, my brain is going to terrify myself, and it's just it's not going to work yeah, out. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with John on some of that because I feel mm-hmm. like I know that it's not real and I could do it, but I feel like by doing it, it almost seems like I'm being too ballsy, I guess would be the word, and too cocky or arrogant that it's going to show up, not necessarily by that, but some other bad luck. That's kind of what I feel like because I'm like, yeah. like kind of giving the kind of the proverbial finger to like this thing saying, Oh, I'm doing, but then I feel like it's going to come back to haunt me in a different way. Just the cockiness or arrogance of it. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird way, but it would like, in other words, if I said the Candyman thing five times, I don't believe for a second that the candy man's going to appear and kill me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't believe that at all, but I believe that something else bad will happen. I get that urge. So I just always go, man, I don't need to do that. You're going to find out Pat has his medicine cabinet on the other side of yours. And then, exactly. You know, yep. I'm just saying, and I, I, I don't want to jump off this topic, but you said w- kind of what works in the film. And I hear everything, and I, I agree with everything that you guys are saying about are we choosing to tell a story that talks about you know, racial inequity in society and all that, or are we just ch- choosing Cabrini Green as a setting because – for our target audience, that is a trigger location. You know what I'm saying? It's scary, Pat. Well, is that is, and that's that's kind of the discussion. Is did we pick that setting and not? And I mean, that's kind of for other people to discuss. And I, I did some reading on what what people of the what people of color thought of this movie when it came out and what it did. And, and you know, I thought there was some interesting points. I know Tony Todd said this was like his favorite role mm-hmm. in a movie. I was hoping that. Commander Kern would have been his favorite role, but I understand. You know, and I know there was like discussion all about that. 
the thing I'm going to say, what really worked in this movie is that it kept you for a portion of it. It kept you guessing kind of like what I was saying about the music. Mm -hmm. It kept you guessing, okay, they're rehearsing or they're researching. And I knew nothing about this film. They're researching urban legends. Cool. What's like, what's going to happen? Like, what's the situation? And then all of a sudden, you know, she gets attacked. So then I'm like, okay, is she going to be dealing with a gang that, and I didn't know that this dealt with the supernatural, like until Candyman showed up. And then I was still like, okay, so is this just a figment of her imagination? Is she hallucinating? Is this, like I said before, is this a Jacob's Ladder type situation? Like what's going on? And then I found out only at the end, it was like, oh, this is an actual just slasher film. And so as soon as I found out what it was, that's where I kind of wish, I wish they would have explained a little bit more about what the legend was and what the rules of the game were. Why, what was the Candyman's motivation? What was he doing? Why was he doing it? Okay, I know they gave us a little bit about the bees and about the thing and all that, but why did that turn him evil? Okay, and then what was what was his end game? Okay, to get her into his group or whatever. Okay, that works, but then why did she show up at the end? I, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just wish that if they would have explained that a little bit more, then it's like, dang, I'm all in. Like, let's see it. Let's do it. But that's where it just kind of, for me, it fell short was because, okay, I you kept me guessing, but now when you show me what it is, you got to explain it a little bit more so I understand what everyone's motivation, why everyone is acting. What happened when she blanked out? Why did she blank out? Did he do the murders? And she was just, you got a little bit of that when she's imagining him there in the bed and they show her the video. I just, I, I, that's where the film, that's where I, that's what I thought worked, but then what's the double-edged sword. I I wish they would have given a little bit more in terms of explanation and backstory and motivations and so on and so forth. Yeah, there was, there were a couple other things in the movie that one of the things in particular now it, as it went further on, it was okay. But, and I don't know, I don't know if you guys felt this way or not. The first time Candyman shows up and he starts talking, I found myself sitting there going, now later, like I said, later on when he, he has a bunch of other lines and I'm like, oh, that's sufficiently creepy. Like that's, that would be something creepy to say if I was some supernatural killer curse guy. But the first thing he says, like, that didn't make any sense at all to me. When he starts talking and he says, I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed innocent blood. I'm like, you're the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Am I missing something? I don't know what this is supposed to mean. It's like a Motley Crue song. <laughs> he's a wolf screaming lonely in the oh. night. He's a blood stain on the stain. Okay, sorry. Well, no, that makes sense. Okay. All right. So I can't do falsetto. No, you were doing fine. I thought it was fine. I, I and I, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but yeah, that that kind of goes along. I think, or what I'm trying to say is like right along in line with that. Why is he saying these things? What's his motivation? What's the backstory? Right. What's what's the what's the deal? And that first thing right? in particular is it just sounded like the words sounded so random, like they didn't even fit into an actual sentence. I'm like, what are you? Wait, what are you talking about? This is not intimidating. Mm-hmm. This is just me sitting here going, I have no clue 
you're just it sounds like you're taking english words and just putting them together like somebody doing one of those magnet poems on a refrigerator and it it don't make no sense and the couplets didn't work for you no yeah. no and then but when he says the other stuff later on when he's like i was looking up some of the other ones and he's saying they will say that i have shed innocent blood what's blood for if not for shedding i'm like okay thank you that's cool i get that <laughs> But the first one, I'm like, I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. I'm like, I don't know what. He just thought it was some cold to save somebody before he yeah. killed him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe he was saying that I it's don't know a what fancy. That means. <laughs> he, he he said that she messed up his thing. Like yeah. she threw him off, right? Didn't because she was proving it or whatever. And so he says, I've got to be the whisper in the classroom, the writing on the wall, like the one kid going, Hey, have you heard about. You know, yeah, I guess. Oh, I guess blah, writing, blah, blah, writing blah, blah, on the wall, writing on the wall could be like the graffiti in mm-hmm. green, right. green. The whisper in the classroom could be kids talking. Okay, all right. Well, that kind of makes more sense. But I'm I like, do, right? But then, why did she show up at the end? I don't know. I mean, I just that needs to be explained. Yeah. Like, like I'm just gonna say, and spoilers. Stranger Things, we've discussed that. And one of the things that I, I think I think resonates so strongly with this season of Stranger Things, and I know some of us have spoken about it, but just the way they develop and pre- present the story and how it feels connected and complete. And, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. That totally, okay, it all, we get those experiences. This, it was kind of, John, like you said, it was like, okay, so what now? You know, what more? Like, where's the other? Yeah. Like, who's that guy? Why is he doing this? What happened to her? How did she get there? How did she do? Where's the dog's head? Who bought the white T-shirt for the new girlfriend? And I'd like to go to that store. I mean, there's lots of questions that need to be answered and they just don't. Right. I mean, then it just becomes, okay. here's another excuse to do the slasher thing. Starting to talk about the dog's head. I was going to start doing the line. What's in the box? Mm-hmm. Bye. But but then you but then you switch to the uh, the mistress. And I'm like, what's in the shirt? <laughs> oh, oh I, no. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's the one question we don't need to have answered. Yeah, no. But then but then I couldn't figure out was she laughing or crying or like? Yeah, she was an odd duck, huh? Yeah, that was a little bit weird. Like when 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 she shows up from the hospital and all I know is it was um, cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But then, and then did, then she killed her ex. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just going to say right now, Candyman sounds like kind of a, a silly name anyway to repeat into a mirror. But mm-hmm. I, how many kids are going to be terrified going to the mirror and be like, Helen, Helen, yeah. Helen. <laughs> I don't see that one spreading quite as quickly. No. Right, right, right. At least it wasn't Martha. Why did you say that name? <laughs> Why did you say that name? Why did you say Martha, that name? Martha, 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 Martha. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Palpa, palpa, palpatine. Okay, you're a Sith. You're out. So my question then I is I think she got cursed when he like French kissed her with the bees. Yeah, yeah. They were they were evil bees, Pat. Evil bees, dude. Yeah. I mean, uh, and then, and then, so she shows up at the end, and then, 
so does that mean that the girl the, the girlfriend is framed now? Right? Sure. The mis- the mistress? Like is she f- because that's how the Candyman rolls, right? Like yeah. you know, he cause or or does it, like I said, a lot of loose ends yeah. for yeah. me. Yeah. And and I, I don't want to take a rogering to the film there, but it was just like like connect the dots, like just you know. Yeah, and they I just got. I haven't watched any of the other Candyman movies, so I don't know. I mean, the movie should be able to stand alone on its own without sequels, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the sequels help flesh any of that out any better. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for three questions? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. Three questions. Do I have to say the three questions into a mirror? What happens if mm. I say the three questions? I don't know. We'll figure it out. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, question number one. What is your favorite urban legend? That's kind of tough. I thought your question, well, I'm going to have to think. I thought it was, what's your favorite entry in the Urban Dictionary? I'm sorry. Oh, that, well, Lordy, Lordy, that's, that's a whole nother, that's another movie, man. Hold on. All right, go ahead, Pat. I can edit this later, so that's fine. 30 podcasts oh, after no. dark. I, I, I'm not repeating anything on recording. I'll, I'll no, text my okay. answer later. I okay. know. All right. I, I know. I know what happens around here. Let's see. Favorite I'll, urban I legend. I'll go first since you guys are thinking. Unless John's Okay. Got. No, go for it. But I'm going to go with the one that's local for us and one that I remember driving with my parents and always being a little bit on the, on the watch and afraid. There's a urban legend resurrection mary mm. in the chicagoland area and my my cousins and my aunt all live like you could go down arch avenue and it's and there's a restaurant down there, down there that we often frequent like a get-togethers even now but the, the, the cemetery is a little bit further down we don't always drive right past that but at night when we go past that thing yeah we were always looking i think my, my parents would bring it up and two and you'd be looking out the window so it was something that we all knew growing up and, and looking into it and everything else Basically, there was a girl in a white dress who, in the 1930s, she was a big, she was on her way to go dancing at a, at a like with the big bands and stuff, and she was in the car with. And this part of it is, is true historically, and there was an accident where she went into like an embankment or something by like the L, and she went through the windshield and died on her way to a hospital. The other people survived, and then since then, she kind of like they said rested in peace up until a certain point, and then the big band music went out, and and now like. She was buried at Resurrection Cemetery there, and people have spotted her, a girl in a white dress. There's stories of a guy who basically went to this bar, this, like, their dance club type of place, and he, he saw this girl across the room. She's wearing a white dress, looking kind of pale, and, you know, but really cute. And he went and he started dancing with her, and he danced, and they danced a number of songs. He didn't get to talk to her too much, but then 
he made a comment about her hands being cold and he made this thing like, Oh, cold hands mean warm heart, you know? And, and there's all these different things about like how he danced and he said her skin felt kind of like brittle almost or whatever, but he got her in the he, he was going to drive her home because she said where she had lived. And then he had been driving. And when he went to resurrection cemetery, she asked him to pull over, he pulled over and she's like, I, I got to go now and you can't follow me or something like that. And then she kind of disappeared. So he was looking all over for her all night. He eventually remembered where her address, she said, was. He went to the house. He asked the lady, is Mary home? And she says, Mary doesn't live here anymore. She, she, she passed away. And he said he, he lied and said he had gone to school with her to get more information. And he said on the wall was a picture of the girl, and, and it was the girl that he had danced with the night before. And there's been numerous stories of truck drivers and people driving by there who saw a girl in a white dress laying in the, in the thing, they've called the police that there was somebody hit by a car or something there. And it's not, it disappeared. She disappeared. Whole thing about her, her cemetery being moved. Like that's what stirred it up again in the seventies, because I guess there was like rent things on like cemeteries where they're good for 25 years or something. And if your parent, your, your family renewed it another 25 years and she, when her rest of her family either had passed away or gone, that's what they say when her, her cemetery got moved, it started up again in the 1970s. And so anyway, there's a whole big thing to it, and it's a definitely one in Chicago called Resurrection Mary. So when you drive by, you see there's people who said that there's been a girl who would get into a place and they didn't ID, because they would normally ID like people at the, at the door on the way in and out, and nobody knew how this girl got in, and she would vanish. One time a taxi driver dropped somebody off, and he came inside saying, hey, I don't want to get stiff for the fare. Where is she? And and they're like, there's no girl in there now. And he goes, I just dropped a girl off in a white dress here. You know, so there's a lot of like supposed sightings and things like that and history throughout it. But driving past that cemetery when we were kids was, it was a spooky time. You're always looking for anybody on the side of the road. And, you know, not a killer or anything, just a ghost. So, but still creepy enough. That was, there was always a story that my grandfather would tell when they lived in Dallas. He said that he was driving back from somewhere late at night and he saw this woman that was standing by the side of this bridge. And, you know, he pulled over and asked if she needed a ride somewhere. So she got in the back of the car and, you know, he said that he started driving a little bit and tried to talk to her. She wouldn't say anything. And he ended up getting like, over across to the other side of the bridge. Then he looked in his rearview mirror and there was no one in the backseat of the car and the seat of the backseat of the car was wet. And so he, then he, he claims that he, he had looked it up or he had asked around and that there had been a woman that had jumped off that bridge years before. And that other people had told this story of if you drive across this bridge at night, that there might be a woman standing on the side of the road. And if you give her a ride, she'll sit in the back of your car, but you know, she'll disappear once you get across the bridge and, We'll just leave a, a wet bats back seat behind. So I remember always telling that one, but then there were several others that my dad would tell living in the in the rural Missouri growing up, they would always talk about like the ball lightning and the they always had this one story of these uh, train tracks that were somewhere that if you if you drove your car onto the tracks and then just parked your car there or put your car in neutral, that your car would get pushed off the tracks. And if you got out and looked, there were a bunch of like little children's foot uh, fingerprints on the back of your car uh, that there had been a story of some kids that had died, like their, their family car got stuck on the tracks and got hit by a train. And so there were these children that these children ghosts would push your car across the tracks to keep you from getting killed. You know, all these, all these different kind of stories. I probably one of my favorite ones was 
the one my grandpa used to tell because he didn't really ever tell ghost stories. And so when he told me this story about the, the woman on the bridge, I'm like, wait a minute, grandpa doesn't tell ghost stories. What am I supposed to do with this? Like, grandpa was a preacher. He didn't believe in that kind of stuff. Like, why is he telling me that? Don't tell me this, grandpa. That's not cool. Yeah, so I, I never quite knew it. what to do with it because that it was not his. It was not in his nature to tell ghost stories. So I'm like, why would he? All right, I'm not going to think about yeah, that too hard. When it comes from a source that's normally not going to try to like mess right. with you, right? You know, otherwise you're just like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's another one, another right. one that you're telling. But when it's yeah, when it comes from something like that, it's interesting. Yeah, and yeah. I've known like people throughout the years who in that area who said that they've legitimately saw it. Yeah, and they're, you know, like when they they seen it you know and i and i i believe one time and again we might have been kids who just i for some reason i thought i remember somebody in my car my brothers and they could have been messing with but the response the way they acted didn't seem like it but somebody had said they had saw some white figure or something and a white dress or whatever but yeah. i guess the bar across i think it's called chets or whatever it's across from resurrection still every night they pour a bloody mary and leave it on the bar huh. okay and to this day, it has not been drunk, and no one's no one has partaked of that beverage. But you know, it's still there in the morning. But they always that's their thing is always put a bloody mary on the on the, on the counter. So that's definitely a live one that's in that area. Justice, I think, is the town. Yeah, when you're yeah, Justice and Ridgeview and all that areas, it's like in that area. Else, yeah. So look up Resurrection Mary. It's definitely a Chicago, a local Chicago. It's on a lot of the ghost tours and things like that. What else we got? What else you guys got? Whole house. There's that classic story of the just the haunted house and people have seen the woman, the woman in the white dress in the window. There's stories about a baby and all sorts of other things. It's a popular one on a lot of the Chicago ghost tours. I can't, I can't go on any of those tours because, like I said, I have an, I'm already creeping myself out just by hearing all these stories. Well, okay. I, I love those. I, those I ghost tours not, are fun. I absolutely could not go on any of those ghost tours. I could not do it, even though I don't. And I, I really, I don't, I don't believe in it. But I cannot go on any of those tours because I just my oh, I imagination. I don't know if this one bad. counts, but this, I guess, it counts. I just remember, I do remember this, 1990, so it was around this time. So this is one of the city's most timeless urban legends. In 1991, children were apparently lured into a van by, lured, lured into vans by a man dressed as a clown. Only the clown. Only the, the clown. clown, yeah. The Chicago's police department looked into the matter and ruled that nothing more than an urban legend. Locals believe this man roams the city preying on children. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. If that, was that that long ago that I remember that time? I do remember, like... That was, but then there was something else later where people were seeing it up in Wisconsin, like people dressed as clown things in the forest and stuff. Yeah, you remember I that? I don't play that. That went around. It went around the school thing a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. That was like more recent, but this is 1991, and yeah, there was Homie the Clown. I guess Homie was like from the In Living Color show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't play that. And there's a van with kids' free candy. Yeah. And then there's the Devil's Gate in Libertyville. Yeah. Right up here. Okay, that's too close. What's that one? Oh, you never heard of this one? No. As legend has it, someone, either a camp counselor at a summer camp, a principal at a girls' school, or awarded an insane asylum went crazy and killed four people on the property behind a stone gate along North River Road. Local historians say there's no evidence of a mass killing. There was a home for children on the property from 1925 to 1936. It was the... Bud Memorial Home for Children, which served as a summer camp for orphans from St. Mary's Orphanage in Chicago. So, yeah, right off of River Road, 
there's a trail and you can go back there. A lot of people ride back there to see the gate and whatnot. I've never actually been back there, but I remember reading about it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. You know, that Geico commercial where the guy goes up in his attic and there's all the creepy stuff up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and he just, he just goes, Nope. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's me. Yeah. I might have to climb through that cabinet tonight just to make sure John could sleep tonight. Yeah. Pat, when you climb through the medicine cabinet, can you give me a hug? I I can definitely do that. I'll come okay. you just let you guys just let me know. Okay. What Pat, did you did you have an urban legend? I got nothing. You got nothing? I got nothing. I don't believe in that. Stuff. There was one in Mount Carmel Cemetery too. I don't know if that one I looked that one up. There was another one because it was cemetery in Hellside. I went to school at St. Joe's, which is right near Hellside. I remember there was something there. I, didn't find much on it yet, though. All right, you, you which is are... the which is the one which is the one where Large Marge sent you? Yeah, it was on a night just like tonight. All right, you guys are creeping me out, so I'm going to question number two. Okay, I guess it's another one though. Yeah. So anyway, I did find it. There's the one in Mark Carmel on Hillside. It's a uh, lady Julia died at childbirth at a young age, 21, shortly after her mother began experiencing strange dreams, yeah. but she was still alive. Yeah. The mother had to try to get the grave open, convince her daughter was alive inside. Yeah, that's a great idea. Finally allowed to be opened in 1927 when officials opened the casket. Julia's body was still in place, but something was very odd. Julia was found in perfect condition and appeared only to be sleeping in her coffin. Yeah. This day, no explanation has been given as to why the body did not decay over those six years. Yeah, sure. Now, uh, the I... body was exactly as it had been the day she died. Her stillborn infant, who lay at her side, had suffered decay. Locals decided this meant she was a saint and that they reburied her with a grand memorial. Nowadays, reports of seeing a woman in, a white, in white near the grave are common. Locals claim she was wearing a glowing bridal down and wanders a cemetery late at night. Her plot is located near the gates of the cemetery and easily found due to the life-size statue of the woman sits atop the marker. So, a lady that did not decay or rot, but the baby with her dead. Mm. And that's another one I do, because we, again, that's another street we used to drive down. I did hear about that, too. I don't remember as much as I did for the resurrection. I remember more of the resurrection, Mary, one. Well, that's been the 30-something movie podcast. Thanks a lot, everybody. Roadshow, John, at night. What I love is that most of these most of these are always like some dude that's out there that's like out at the bars or whatever that's like, dude, I saw this chick in a white dress, and I drove to the house later, and everybody said that they didn't know her, so it must have been a ghost. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's what it was, buddy. I'm sure. <laughs> Say Candyman five times, Pat. You're so confident. Why are you trying to tell me what to do, dude? Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. She gave me her number. It was five 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 one two one two. Well, here's here's my thing, John. Why you shouldn't be so afraid of these is in every one of the stories we've told. There's there's like I I was it was creepy, but at the same time, this isn't somebody who was killing anybody. I don't care. But they're just lost spirits who are still kind of wandering, and I don't know. I don't know what I think of that. That's great. They can have somebody else help them find their way. You wouldn't give her a ride? No. Answer this tonight? Uh-uh. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. Uh. Uh-uh. I'm gonna mind my own business. I don't. I don't need. I don't need that bad mojo. That'd be good mojo. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. It's not like you're cursed after you dance with it. How do I know that? Because all the people are alive to tell the story. The ones that tell the story, sure. <laughs> Those are the ones who didn't dance dead, with her. Dead men tell no tales. I've heard that before. I've heard dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. 
I have no idea what it means. I just like to say it. Question number two, on something slightly more pleasant. Question number two, what's your favorite character with a hook or something similar for a hand? Bill Murray and Meatballs. <laughs> he tells the hook story. I, always mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I heard it was on his foot. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna go Woody Harrelson and Kingpin. That was that was, that was actually a, I was gonna that was one. We're thinking about yeah. that one, yeah. I three, yeah. I was like, do I go with the the kind of scary genre or the any genre? But you didn't specify. Yeah, but Kingpin would be one. I'm gonna go Dustin Hoffman and Hook. Yeah, I yeah, that was a good one. You gotta you gotta talk about Ash and Evil Dead because uh, you know no. everyone needs yeah. a boomstick. Oh, that's true. I should I should have gone with <laughs> Ash. Ash is good. Yeah. Yeah, I might have to go with that one. God, now I just want to watch Ash versus Evil Dead again <laughs> for like the fourth time. Was it the hand? Something is replaced with a hook, or something is replaced with a something? It could be a hook. It could, yeah, it could be replaced with something. Okay. So, of course, my daughter, as, as I'm asking these questions at dinner tonight, she's like, I know what you're going to pick, Wonderful dinner conversation. Oh, I know. She's like, I know what you're going to pick, Dad. I'm like, what? She's like, you're going to pick Luke Skywalker. I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that one. That I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. You could do, you could do the Borg. They got the little things. He's a Borgs. Yeah. Yeah. The little Allen wrench. Yeah. I'm just saying if I can't go there, I'm sorry, we're still recording. You have so many good things to say. Do you need me I know. To, do you need me to start the 30 podcast after dark music? I, I think so. I'm just, no, I can't go there. No, no maybe I work scissor hands too. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Mm-hmm. Question number three. What's your favorite kind of candy? All of the candies. Yeah. I, I'm a fan of dark chocolate myself. Yeah. I like I like dark chocolate, especially when they combine it with stuff. Sea salt, yeah. great. There's these candies that I that I've had, and it's like it's dark chocolate, and it's got orange in it, or dark chocolate and chili pepper. Mm. Um, yeah. chi- chili peppers, yeah. I've tried some that have chili powder in it, and that's like a whole different experience. That's that's that. Kind of, <laughs> have, Having dark chocolate with chili powder, that kind of like, uh, that's sort of like last week when in Lawnmower Man, where the guy like goes out of control with the VR, mm-hmm. that's kind of what, what happens when you eat that stuff. But okay, my vote is, my vote is dark chocolate, especially that with sea salt. You merge into a dragonfly? <laughs> you merge, yeah, you merge into a dragonfly. Okay. See, that's, that, that's what happens when you drive the lady in the white dress home and, you know, don't blink three times and all that kind of stuff. As Jimmy Buffett once said, you got to purge that urge to merge. <laughs> all right. Yeah. You're going to have a drink. One drink. There you go. You're going to drink your drink. Drink your drink. Be polite. What about other candies? Mine currently, my, mine will kind of switch from time to time. I am always a huge fan of white chocolate. Mm. So currently, any anything white chocolate, like white chocolate candy bar. Actually, I, I'll go with that. I'll do the, uh, what is that brand? Like the Lindor white chocolate candy bar. Uh, those are good. I'll go with that. The, the white Reese's peanut butter cups are good, too. Hmm. 
Hmm. So I'm going to go with a similar theme here. I got the dark chocolate thing going too. My first one that always was a go-to when I was more like before the plant-based stuff was uh, I didn't do as much dairy, but it would be a York peppermint patty. Oh, yeah. I love York oh yeah. Patty. Especially fridged, if you fridge that thing up a little bit and maybe freeze or fridge it. But And then now it's basically, there's a brand called Ocha, which makes these, they're, they're, it's weird because I don't like the, um, the the Joy Almond Bars with the coconut. I'm not a big fan of that so much, but I love these. These have a coconut. They're more natural, organic type of thing, a little more pricey, but they're individually wrapped in a bag. And mm. the brand is called Ocha, and they have these coconut dark chocolate covered candies, which are phenomenal. Okay. And then and now I would say that my, and, and I do that once in a while when I say at Walgreens or something, but I get the Divine Dark Chocolate Bars at Whole Foods, and they got like one with a mint crunch. Okay. So that's my three right now. Mint, mint good. I mean, Junior back to the candy days, you could throw Twizzlers in there. Used to be a favorite. Twizzlers is really good. God's Red Vines. Red, yeah. Any licorice type of thing. Godstoppers when I was a kid. There used to be a candy. When I was a kid, it was Spree. There was a candy called Spree. Yeah. I love that stuff. It went like this. It changed as you ate it. Like Spree and bottle caps. You remember bottle, bottle caps? caps? Bottle caps. Yeah. Yeah. You throw out all the other ones, the oranges, and you try to look for the root beer. The root beer bottle caps. Coca-Cola, man. Oh yeah. God, that stuff was good. Yeah. Anybody anybody out there eat the the black licorice or the black jelly beans? Oh, my dad. Never been a big fan of that. That that flavor never really. Love it. Took off for me. I have it sometimes. What are those called? Are they just called like mint drops? The ones that they look a little bit like Hershey's Kisses, but they're like multicolored mint thing and then they've got like the little round sprinkles on the bottom mm-hmm. well, they're just called uh, mint drops or something like that drills or something are they yeah i think they're called something for else okay yeah 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 does it look like this i like those though like i would if we'd ever go to one of those places where, like, you could just go, like, scoop in, you get a bag and you scoop it in, and then you pay by the weight. I'd always get, yeah. I'd always get gummy, a bears. Oh, gummy bears. Always on those at those bulk candy places, gummy bears, gummy worms. Always with the gummy worms and the yeah. gummy bears and the... yeah, I like the gummy, the gummy sugary Coke flavored ones. Those are good. Or the root beer. Those are good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we've scared each other enough and provided enough candy. John's not going to sleep tonight. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go Thanks find a lot. some, I'm gonna go find some candy. So I'm going to find some candy. and then Do I'm a not quick link and to... see if those are those. See if I'm thinking of oh, um, those things. Those are the chocolate ones. I'm thinking of the ones that are like the multicolored and they're minty. Okay. <laughs> but yes, kind of along that along those lines. Yeah. And, oh, here we go. Mint drops is, I think, what they're called. But yeah, I can I could eat gummy bears for a while when they came out were huge. Yeah, I loved some gummy bears. We I had a German teacher gave them. That's how he first got them actually before. Oh yeah, but yeah, they're non perial mint drops. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I could Okay. I could just eat a whole bag of those. I don't know these. Lately I've someone left a bag of them at work, which is why lately the fruity the fruit flavored Tootsie Rolls. Oh, mm. those. Like the orange and the lime and the lemon. The lemon is fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
any sort but of they're that Tootsie Roll consistency, but it's fruit instead of chocolate. Any sort of butter mints were good too for me, like the party mints, the pastels. Oh, I love those. Mm. My dad for Father's Day, Sharon and the kids got me a bag of because my dad would always eat those. Got me a bag of those candy orange slices. Oh, uh, my dad was that. Yeah, that was my dad. Yeah. He loved like they call them fruit slices. They're mm-hmm. different flavors too, but the fruit slices you would get those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My dad would always go for the orange ones. There were no fruit in those things whatsoever. But right. no, yeah, good though. Yeah. All right, that's gonna do it. M and M's, M and M's, M and M's. That's good. M&Ms. classic. Melt in your mouth. Not in your yeah, I was gonna say pad M and M's. Yeah, I like the mint M and M's, but I'm not like a major. M&Ms. I like the white chocolate oh. ones they did a while ago. White chocolate was delicious, I'll tell you. But yeah. then everybody said it was like the worst thing for you, and I always like kind of like makes me feel guilty. Yeah, life short. I'm telling, I'm telling you guys, I'm oh. telling you, I'm hanging by my th- dark chocolate M and M's. White chocolate was good. I did like white chocolate. Life yeah. is life is nasty, brutish, and short. Just yeah, eat your M and M's. Bob's mint. Who cares? All right. On that yeah. note. I care. On that note, go visit us at 30podcast.com. You can check us out on all the different social medias at 30podcast. Our next episode's coming up. We have the month of July. We've got our Patreon episode is Razzies of 1992 with Shining Through, The Bodyguard, Christopher Columbus, The Discovery, Final Analysis, and Newsies. Our regular episodes for July are Batman Returns, Reservoir Dogs, The Mighty Ducks, and Beef Oven. And then in August, Pat's been waiting for this one pretty much all year our patreon is best motorcycle movies there we go and then our regular episodes for that month are sneakers glenn gary glenn ross captain ron wayne's world and white men can't jump swing swing hey did you ever when bugs bunny was wearing a skirt did you ever think he's kind of kind of attractive no no <laughs> just asking it's like in gym class when they made us climb the rope it feels kind of funny all right we'll have plenty of that once we get to wayne's world exactly yeah all right gents thank you so much i enjoy always enjoy talking movies with you even when you scare the crap out of me Thank you, John, and hopefully you get some sleep tonight. I'm not you going to. Question. Yeah, I'm not going to, but that's fine. Pat's Pat's going to climb through the medicine cabinet, give me a hug, and then maybe it'll be okay. It's all always okay. It's going to be okay. Just tell me it's okay, Pat. Just don't who can make you? Victim. Who can make you happy? Just don't whisper. Be my victim. Well, let's. Nah, not that. Yeah. I, again, what was his motivation? Because, like I said, I think there were some other options that he would have had that would have made it much more effective. I think it's all explained in the ending of Never Ending Story. Yeah, I've heard that one before. Connection. Oh, there's a connection, all right. Let me tell you about the connection. Who can be my victim? Got me with a hook. Non pearls will get John into a van with a clown. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'd get in that van. A trail of minty, minty colored non pearls. Yeah, why not? They got candy good stuff you're like life short hey life is nasty brutish and short i'm getting in that van <laughs> and you get to see a clown i get to see a clown it's die with a smile on my, my lucky face. day hey. Indiana clown <laughs> guys this is the best day ever <laughs>
you driving by no cemetery, I ain't no fool. But man, if I'm in some candy, I'll hop right in. <laughs> yeah, as long as he doesn't drive over a bridge or by a cemetery, I'm fine. That's okay. <sighs> all right. On that note, first of all, disclaimer here: children do not get in vans with clowns with candy. No matter what candy they have. No matter what candy they have, don't get in the van. Now, if it's a sedan or a pickup truck, that's probably fine because those are not, not as creepy. But all right. On that note, I'll try not to get killed. Everybody sleep well if you can tonight. I'm not going to. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. We'll see you back here next time if we make it. <laughs> <laughs>